Good morning, Faith Church. What's going on, everybody? Hey, it's good to be back in the house. Last week, my family and I, we got to go spend some time in Akron, Ohio, our hometown, but it's good to be home. It's good to be home. Well, we are continuing a series that we started a couple weeks ago entitled, When God Goes Dark. And the purpose of this series is to talk about the times that possibly you've gone through, and I know that I have gone through those times where it feels like God's forgotten about us. So we go through those times that maybe we feel abandoned, we feel forsaken, we pray and God doesn't answer, we talk to God and we feel like he doesn't talk back. All of us have gone through those seasons and those times where God goes silent. And so the purpose of the series is to talk about what do you do? How do you, how do you handle the moments in the seasons of silence? How do, you, how do you deal with the feeling of maybe being forgotten or being forsaken? Week one, if you were here, basically we challenged you to say this, that amnesia is not an option, that we have to remember what God has done in the past. In fact, we said it this way, that we can endure God's silence by remembering his faithfulness. Because everybody in this room, we have stories where God's been good and God's come through, where God's showed up, where God's made a way, where God's provided for us, where God's healed us, where God showed up. And come on, anybody here got a story where God's come through for you? Come on and make some noise for him. Then when we look back at those seasons, those things are what gets us through the silence. And then last week, Pastor Adam, he was here and killed it. Pastor Adam said it's not just about remembering God's faithfulness, but it's about remembering God's promise. He said this, that there are over 7,000 promises in God's word. And sometimes what gets us through the seasons of silence is to get just one promise from God, to hang on to one word about what he said about you, about who you are about who he is, about what he can do in your life. And you hang on to that promise until you come through the season of silence. And so today I want to go a little bit different direction and maybe tackle something that might be, I'm just going to tell you, this is going to be a little bit tough, but we're going to muddle through today. We're going to get to our destination. I think God's going to help us because let's just be honest. Sometimes God's word says things to us that are hard to hear. Sometimes they're difficult to receive. But I just want you to know something, that God's plan for you is always a good plan. God's plan for you is always for you to prosper. God's plan for you is to always be in victory. And so sometimes we got to hear a hard word to get there. But listen to me, the destination is always worth the journey. Amen? So here's, here's the challenge is if you think about where we've been for the last couple of weeks. Is that again, sometimes God allows the silence in our lives because he uses that really to develop our dependency on him. That sometimes God will use the seasons of silence for us to really grow in our faith, again, for us to look back and celebrate what he's done, for us to hold on to his promises. But here's what I want to challenge you today is sometimes the silence is not always started on his side. What I want to ask you today, what I want to challenge us with is this idea is what if what's broken isn't on his side but on ours? In fact, I'd ask us this, what if we are the ones causing the silence? See, again, all of us in this room, man, we go through seasons of silence, but what if it's, what if it's on us? What if the reason for the silence is on us? Now, listen to me, I, I, can, I can see some of you, man, you're looking for the break. You're looking to pump the break because, right, we are prone to pride and we are quick to play the blame game. If something's broken and something's wrong in any of our lives, it's very hard for us to take that ownership. We always want to blame somebody else, don't we? Come on, think about it in society. If something's wrong with society, we don't take ownership as citizens. We blame government. If something's wrong with, for example, your favorite sports team and they don't win a game, 
We don't blame the team. We blame the refs. And this illustration has nothing to do with LeBron James and the Cavs losing game one because they're going to come back and win game two. Go ahead, King James. If you don't know me, I'm an Akron, Ohio boy and King James. We're going to win tonight. No excuses. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to me. No excuses. Right? We don't take the blame. We blame everybody else for what's broken, what's wrong. We blame everybody else when our children are struggling in school, when they're not getting along, when they're not advancing. We don't sit down and admit that our children aren't studying. Who do we blame? We blame the teachers. We blame the administrators. When something's wrong in our marriage. Come on, I've been in ministry 25 years. I have counseled literally hundreds of couples. I can count on one hand how many times a couple's walked in and the person who was the problem said, I'm the problem. Right? Everybody points to somebody else. It's what she's not doing. It's what he's doing. Right? Because, right, there's something in us. We play the blame game and we don't take ownership for sometimes that there is a problem and maybe we are the cause. There is an issue and we are the issue. And I just want you to know something. In seasons of silence, sometimes we are the cause. In fact, here's what Isaiah said. Check this out. First word. Everybody shout this first word. Listen. Do you know why he's saying this? Because he wants you to listen. Because you might hear and not listen. We might read this together and you not listen. But what he's about to say, especially when it comes to you and I going through those seasons of silence where God goes dark, where we feel abandoned, we feel like we are forsaken, we have to pull back and remember this right here. Watch this. He says, listen, the Lord's arm is not too weak to save you, nor is his ear too deaf to hear your call. He's saying the problem's not God. God can hear you fine. God knows exactly where you're at. He empathizes with your struggle. He feels your brokenness. He knows what you're going through. The issue isn't him. He can hear fine and he can respond fine. Well, what's the holdup then, God? It's your sins. And a hush falls over the crowd. It's your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, he has turned away and will not listen anymore. I know that's powerful. I know that's hard to hear. But what God is saying is ultimately, man, for all of us in this room, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Sometimes it's our sin that triggers God's silence. Sometimes the reason God goes dark, sometimes the reason God goes silent, sometimes the reason we don't sense him and we can't hear him and we feel abandoned, it's not him giving up on us. It's not that he's abandoned us. It's not that he's pulled away from us. Sometimes it's our sin that triggers God's silence. And I know you're asking the question because i got to ask it too. You say, wait a minute, Pastor Steve, you're telling us all the time about God's grace that, that Jesus died on the sin and he took died on the cross and he took all of our sin and he died so we could have a relationship with Christ. And that's true. Yes, Jesus died on the cross for all of our sins. Yes, he carried all of our sins, your past, your present, and your future. Is anybody thankful for that? But I want you to know something today. You can be saved and still experience silence. Sin doesn't stop our relationship, but it can strain your relationship. Let me give you a couple examples to tell you what I mean. How many of you in this room, you have a friend, somebody you hang out with, somebody close to you, and they've hurt you, they've done you wrong, they've taken advantage of you? Come on, wave at me if that's happened to you. First service, literally, third row, someone pointed a friend out. So this one right here. For real. I called him in and said, come see me for counseling. We'll work through this. 
I, let me just tell you something. Now, now, maybe this has happened, but for the most part, all of us, man, have had friends hurt us and take advantage of us and do things to us. Well, we don't stop being their friend. It might strain the relationship. We may not be as close for a while, but we're still friends. Let me give you one better. Let's talk about marriage for a minute. Now, how many married people do we have in the house? Now, how many people know that it's not always a bed of roses and a bowl of strawberries? Well, it is in my house, but from what I hear in everybody else's house, we married 25 years. And let me tell you, I think every couple has ways that they can communicate with their spouse that things are not okay. My wife had a very subtle signal for me to read. It took a while to pick up on it, but thankfully I finally picked up on it. Here was my wife's signal to me that things were not okay. So generally, I'm a night person. She's not a night person. So for 25 years, most of those nights, she goes to bed without me and I follow hours later. This is how I know things are not good in the Husky household is that if I go in, I don't turn the bedroom light on, so I just got to kind of find my way to the bed, right? If getting to my bed, I kick my pillow on my floor, that's her sign saying things ain't okay. Yes, she threw my pillow on the floor hundreds of times. But for the last 10 years, I don't think she's done it in a long time. We've been good, right, babe? See? Took 15 to figure it out, but I figured it out. Here's what I'm telling you is, listen, listen, this is so important. As children of God... Your relationship isn't lost, but it can be strained. My wife might be mad at me, but we're still married. You can be a child of God and still experience silence. And so if you're here and you're saying, Pastor, that's not the problem because I love God and I know God loves me. Listen, that's not the question. The question is, is there sin in your life that's straining your relationship with God? Because that's what this is. This isn't a Sunday morning religion. This is a lifelong relationship. And any relationship can be strained by things coming in and straining it. And if you have allowed things in your heart and you've allowed things in your life and it's compromising your relationship with God, those things at times will cause God to go silent. And like that's just where we have to go. If you look, for example, there's a story of the prodigal son. The prodigal son is a story that Jesus tells in Luke chapter 15. And the story, the purpose of the story is Jesus is trying to get us to understand who we are and who God is and in our relationship. And he tells the story that there is a, there is a wealthy dad and he's got a son. And the son refuses to live by the dad's rules anymore. And he ventures out on his own. And it's a clear picture that the dad is our heavenly father. And we're the son. We're, we're the guy that refused to stay at home and play by dad's rules. We want to go, we want to go experience life our way. And we follow Jesus telling the story of the prodigal son. And this guy gets out and he does it all. But at the end of the day, man, he, he loses everything. He goes from driving a BMW to rolling in a 1978 Pinto. He goes from eating prime rib to eating pig slop. Which means this, when you follow the story of the prodigal son, when he left the father's house in his sin, it didn't change who he was, but it changed what he had. And you and I, when we live with sin, I want you to hear this. When we live with sin, sin doesn't change your position, but it can change your possession. You might still be a child of God. You might still go to heaven one day. But if you live with sin and I allow sin to live in my life, it'll change everything that we can have in a life-giving relationship with a Savior who loves us. And it'll cause God to go silent. Think about everything that God has for us. Sometimes we allow other stuff in. And it strains and pulls in our relationship with God. 
Like this is the reality of everything we believe right here, that God will never stop loving you. But he will also never stop hating sin. And so think about it. There's not room for three in a relationship. If it's you and God and sin, God's going to make you pick. God's going to make you choose. And sometimes we struggle with that choice. And so I'm going to talk about for a few minutes specifically, what are some things, what are some sins that God's word talks about that specifically causes God to go silent? Because there are some mentioned. Let me give them to you. Number one, if you're taking notes, unbelief. Everybody say unbelief. You know what unbelief is? You just choose not to believe. Like, I don't believe God's for me. I don't believe God can make a way. I don't believe God loves me. I don't believe God's going to show up. And when God speaks to us, God speaks to us a couple ways. God speaks to us through his word, and God speaks to us by his spirit. And so if God is speaking to us, and everything he's saying to us, we refuse to believe, what's he going to do? He's not going to come up with something new to say because he's going to keep saying, I love you. I have a plan for you. I've got a purpose for you. I can make a way in your darkness. I can make a way out of your situation. And if we refuse to believe, what's God going to do? He's just going to quit saying it because he said it like a parent to their kid. I said it. Come on, say it a million times. So sometimes we go through difficult seasons and, man, we just we choose to stop believing God. It's not that God gets frustrated, but he has spoken with such clarity. We've got to choose to believe. In fact, I want you to know something. It is faith that's one of the most attractive characteristics in the heart of a person. Jesus, uh, Hebrews said it this way, that without faith, it's impossible to please God. But man, we come to him, we believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Man, God is honored by faith, but unbelief, man, causes God to go silent. These next three are real big. Watch this. Broken marriage. This really, I think this principle applies to relationships in general. It applies to husbands and wives. But Peter, who writes this, is speaking specifically to husbands. How many husbands we got in the house? Y'all need to listen to this right here. In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Come on, y'all read this. Husband's in the house. Treat her as you, as you should so your prayers will not be. God's saying, listen, when, 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 you, when you dishonor your wife, when you abuse your wife, when you don't love your wife, God says, this is one of the things that I'm going to go silent on in your life. Not just our broken relationships. I'm going to come back to this, but watch this. Unforgiveness. Everybody in this room has been hurt. Listen, you don't have to live in this life very long to be hurt, to be taken advantage of, for somebody to, to go behind your back. What do you do when someone hurts you? Well, a lot of us, man, we hold on to that unforgiveness. We hold on to that and we refuse to forgive. God says, you know what, when you do that, it's one of the things that causes God to go silent. Check this out. Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty five. 25, but when you are praying, when you're looking to connect, when you're looking to hear from God, first forgive. Everybody shout those two words. First, forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Here's another one. This is a big one right here. Stinginess. Uh-oh. Preacher about to talk about money. Go figure. 
I'm just telling you what the word of God says. God says, when you live this life closed-fisted as if everything belongs to you and God gave everything just for you to enjoy, to buy more for you, spend more for you, elevate your life more, God says you're missing why he's giving you what you have in your hand. Listen to what he says. This is big. Proverbs 21, 13. Whoever shuts his ears to the cry of the poor will also cry himself. Read this with me. And not be heard. See, here's why I think these last three a broken relationship or marriage, unforgiveness and stinginess. This is why I think specifically those things cause God to go silent when we carry them in our life. It's because those are the things that God has taught us most. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm a slow learner. And God is saying, if I've taught you anything, because you and I, man, we in a relationship with Christ, we are his bride, right? God is our bridegroom. We're his bride. He says, I've taught you how to love a bride because you're my bride, but you don't turn around and love your bride. If he's taught us anything, come on, I wish somebody help me. If God has taught us anything, he taught us that there is no sin too big to forgive. That no matter how big we messed up, no matter how far we strayed, no matter how big the debt, we have a God who's able to forgive us. And then we turn around and we don't forgive. If God has shown us anything, he's shown us how to be generous because he gave us his only begotten son. He gave the biggest and the best. And sometimes we are slow learners and we turn around and we're stingy. So God says, when I've taught you how to love and I've taught you how to forgive and I've taught you how to be generous and God says you refuse to learn God is saying what else can I say and so God goes silent and really when you come back David chimes in on this whole conversation of sometimes it's sin that triggers God's silence and he says this watch this every voice I want you to read this with me Psalm 66 verse 16 and 17 come on every voice Come and listen, all you who fear God, and I will tell you what he did for me. Come on, anybody here got a story again? All of us. For I cried out to him for help, praising him as I spoke. If I had not confessed the sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Read this last part again. The Lord would not have listened. But here's the good news when we do. But God did listen, and he paid attention to my prayer. Now I want to help you understand this part because it's really big what David says here. David again says, if I had not confessed my sin, God wouldn't have heard me. Some translations say, if I regarded iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have heard. When you read the Old Testament, there's a lot of different words for this word sin. In fact, there's three specifically. If you're taking notes, you can write these down. Three specific words in the Old Testament that talk about or give us this idea of sin. Everybody say these. Sin transgression, and iniquity. They're different words because they mean different things. This first word, sin, just means to miss the mark. It's the idea of somebody, my brother, he plays, he plays darts. And I won't play him for money because I can't win. Plus, I don't gamble unless I can win because then it ain't gambling. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm seeing if y'all are uptight. Everybody's like, he gambles. We're going to another church. So imagine somebody throwing darts. So you have a dart board, you have the target, you have what you're aiming for. It's the picture of an archer, right? He pulls back the string, he's got an arrow, and he's aiming for the target. Like, we know what God wants us to do. Come on, we know it's wrong to lie. We know it's wrong to steal. We know it's wrong to covet. We know what the goal is, but how many people here are not perfect in the house? Come on, help me out. Like, we know what to do, but we miss it. We know what the goal is, but we fall short. So all of us in this room, we're all sinners because we've all fallen short of God's standard. We've all missed the mark. There's that word for sin. But then there's the word transgression. It's kind of a little deeper. Transgression is willful disobedience. 
Now, willful disobedience is you. You are the terrible two toddler. That your daddy spanked you, put you in the corner and said, sit there. Come on, everybody here that's had a little toddler. You tell them to sit there. You turn and walk away. And what do they do? They get up as soon as you turn around. Why? Because they're sinners. You can tell them I said that. Because <laughs> they're transgressors. They're, they're willfully disobedient. All of us in this room, come on, we've all been willfully, we knew it was wrong and we did it anyways. We didn't just mess up. We didn't just make a mistake. Like, we knew it was wrong and did it anyways. But this word, iniquity. Iniquity is continued disobedience without repentance. Like, you not only knew it was wrong, I know I knew it was wrong, but I just kept on doing it and kept on doing it and kept on doing it. Let me say it in a way that y'all will make sense. So, hi, people in this room, if, if it's 65 miles an hour, 65 miles an hour, how many of you in this room, I'm going to put you in three categories, everybody participate, and Jesus is watching. <laughs> 65 miles an hour, and like, you're going to do about 59, because you're just going to play it safe. Wave at me. They're afraid to raise their hands, because we know, don't, we'll go crazy on you. Listen, you knew 59, just do it in the right-hand lane. Move, move, beep, beep, right? So a handful of us are conservative, we'll go a little bit slower. How many of you in this room, it's 65 miles an hour, and you're going to do 65 miles an hour. Raise your hand. Now watch. Are you all ready for this? How many of you in this room is 65 miles an hour, but you're going to Panama City, you headed to 38, you're going to hit the beach, and you're going to get there as quick as possible. It's 65, but you're doing like 82. Wave at me. You're all going to hell. This is the problem. This is why God ain't hearing us. Right here. This is it. The difference between those two, the difference between those three are this. Here's the difference between the three. The sinner, the sinner is the person driving down the road and like you're listening to your music, right? You're li- whoever's on the radio that you like, you're listening, you look just kind of not really paying attention and all of a sudden you pass a speed limit sign and the speed limit sign says 35 and you look down and you say, oh no, you're doing 42, right? You're a sinner, you're breaking the law, but you didn't, like, you didn't just decide but you realize I'm speeding. Doesn't change the fact that you're a, a speeder. Doesn't change the fact if a cop pulled you over, he would still write you a ticket. But you didn't just intentionally break the law, but you broke the law nonetheless. That's a sinner. A transgressor is somebody who's going to the beach. You know what the speed limit sign is. You just can't wait to get there. And as long as you are behind somebody else who's going faster than you, it's all okay anyways. Not that I would know that personally, but that's what I heard. That's what transgression is. I know what the speed limit sign is, but I don't care. I'm going to go what speed I want to go. Iniquity is somebody that not just ignores the speed limit, but they got four patrol cars behind them with lights and sirens. And the person driving says, I'm not pulling over. I don't care what the authority says. I'm just looking for the person that's like, yeah, I remember that. (laughs) That's the difference. Here's what I'm saying is this issue is when God's talking about or when David says, listen, if I wouldn't have confessed my sin, he he is talking about like anytime you mess up, anytime you miss the mark, anytime you fall short, you need to deal with that. He is talking about even the willful things. But he's saying when you live in your life 
where you've got garbage in your heart, where you've got stuff in your life, where you're involved in relationships that you know dishonor God, where you're doing things with habits and addictions and lifestyles that you know aren't right. And like, you don't care, man. You're just living life your way, your pace, your speed. And then we wonder why God has gone silent. David answers the question. If you don't deal with that level of sin, it causes God to go silent and begs the question if you're taking notes. Hear this. What's the thing you're living with that's making you live without? Because every time you compromise God's best, you might think you have something. I got the guy. I got the girl I'm going to spend. And one day he's going to propose. And one day it's going to work out. I got the job I want. I got to cheat on bottom lines, but it's going to work out. I'm going to get the bonus. You might think it's worth it now, but you are sacrificing a life-giving, eternity-changing relationship with a God who will love you forever no matter what. And it is always a gamble that we lose when we hold on to sin and let go of God. It causes God to go silent. So he says, how do we deal with it? Like, here's the issue. In fact, watch this. It not only causes God to go silent on his side, sin not only decreases God's willingness to hear us, but our ability to hear him. You know, as you read through God's word, like you find this idea over and over. The prophets talk about it in the Old Testament. Jesus talks about it in the New Testament. That this idea that as we live in sin, as we walk, like, I don't care what God says. I don't care what the authority says. It, that what that does is it causes our heart to harden. It makes us insensitive to the things of God. It makes us oblivious to his voice. And so really when you follow God's word, sometimes the silence isn't because God isn't speaking. Sometimes the silence is because we have lived a life that's made it very difficult to hear the voice of God. It causes our hearts to harden. For me, I don't know about anybody else, but I, I, like, I have to, like, in my house, you ever come to my house, like, I have shoes on, I have socks on all the time, and, like, I wear shoes in my house, and I was like, what are you putting shoes on for? Because I need to guard my feet. I have, I have sensitive feet. I'm telling you, I do. If I step on a pebble, it feels like a sword in the bottom of my foot. If, if I was standing on my porch barefoot and someone, took, someone came up in a van and took one of my kids, I got two others. I can't chase them. I don't have no shoes on. That's how bad it is. That's it. If things get really bad, I can make another one. I just can't do it. So a couple years ago, we were on the beach, you know, on the beach. Some people lay around. Some people play. We were, I can't remember playing Frisbee or football or whatever. But I'm out there with some friends. We were out there for like 20 minutes running on the beach. After 20 minutes, my feet are so sensitive. <laughs> I have blood blisters all over the bottom of my feet. People call me all kind of names all week. I don't care. I'm comfortable being me. Now, some of you in this room, you don't wear shoes, and you're, you can go out on asphalt. You can walk in hot stuff. You can walk. How many people in this room, you're comfortable with no shoes and socks on? There's a word for it. It's called redneck. Raise your hand. <laughs> now, listen, it's because it's, the more you walk, listen, the more you walk on concrete or asphalt without shoes, what, it, what does it do? It causes your feet to get calloused. And the more calloused your feet are, the less you feel. And the less you feel, the more you can put pressure on your feet, which makes them more callous. Which you hear what the cycle I'm talking about. The more you allow sin in your life, the harder your heart gets, which makes it easier to continue to live in sin, which continues to harden your heart. And it puts you down a path where God continually gets softer until God goes silent. And I'm telling you, it's okay to have callous feet. It's not okay to have a callous heart because it cuts us off from a God who loves us. And so the question is, what do we do? 
Silence is a reality, and sometimes the silence is triggered by our sins. So what do we do? Sometimes God's not talking because we're living in rebellion, and sometimes God's not talking because he is, but we're really not able to hear because we've allowed the hardness of our heart just to get progressively harder. And so the question is, what do we do? And, and John, he answers it here. He says this, watch this. First John 1, 6, every voice in this house, read this. If we say that we have fellowship with him, that I love him, I'm in a relationship with God, everything's okay. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. This is really important here. See what John is thinking of. He's not thinking about people who missed the mark. He's not talking about people even sometimes who willfully make the wrong choice. Anytime you read in Scripture this idea of walking in righteousness, walking in wickedness, living in it, it's talking about your lifestyle. It's not what I did in a moment. It's who I am. He says when you live in a lifestyle of rebellion, when you live your life going down the expressway at whatever speed you want, and God's behind you saying, slow down, and you don't care what God says. God says when you live with iniquity in your heart, when you live in rebellion to God, when you walk in darkness, you're kidding yourself if you think you're in fellowship with God. You're lying to yourself. Because while God will never stop loving you, he will never stop hating sin. And you got to choose. And that's the journey of a Christ follower, is every day choosing. Situation to situation choosing. Temptation to temptation, choosing. Who do I roll with? Who do I hang with? Who am I relation with? Am I, am I, is it God or this thing, this person? So if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But then the other side. But if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in it. So if you're on the other side like, yeah, you need to be like me because I got it all together. You're a liar too because everybody sins. Everybody misses the mark. Everybody falls short. But just because you fall short don't mean you have to stay short. So what do we do? What do we do when we know it's our sin that's triggered the silence? What do we do when maybe, just maybe, it's the hardness of our heart that's tuning out the frequency of God? John tells us, 1 John 1, 9, Every voice here, read this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Y'all ought to lose your mind because that's an incredible promise from God. He says, if you'll give it to him, he will forgive you and he will cleanse you. This word right here, it's a big word. Here's what we think confession is. Our Father, forgive me for I have sinned. That's not what this is. The Greek word that's used here, I know you don't care, but because I get paid big dollars to know, is the Greek word homologio. Comes from two words, same, the word logos is the word. It means to say the same thing as God says. Let me tell you why that's important. Because probably like many of you, I wasn't raised in church. And for a long time, the lifestyle I lived and the choices I made, I thought were great, fabulous, wonderful. And if you didn't like it, you can get over yourself. And I had people tell me, you need to slow down. You need to cool your jets. You need to cut it off. You need to knock it out. And I decided what I was doing was fine with me. 
And I didn't care what God said. When I started going to church and heard what God's word had to say about the lifestyle I said I was living, I didn't care what God said. I didn't agree. God, you might think this is wrong, but I'm okay with it. The moment you agree with what God says about who you are and how you're living, that's what confession is. The moment I said, God, I'm not okay with it. You say it's sin. I agree. It is sin. It's not okay to live this way. It's not okay to walk around drunk. It's not okay to hurt people. Like I thought it was okay, but the moment I agreed with God, I said what God said about my life, that I am a sinner and he is my savior. That's what confession is. So some of you are holding on to stuff because you've, you've convinced yourself it's okay. You've lied to yourself and said, well, this is the only way I'm going to make it in the relationship. This is the only way I'm going to get married. This is the only way I can make the business work. This is the only thing that's going to make me happy. And you've bought the lie. And God says the only way you're going to break out of the rut and you're going to stop the silence is you've got to agree with what God says. If God says it's wrong, it's wrong. God says it's sin, it's sin. If God says it's hurting you, it's hurting you. So God says if you'll confess it, if you'll align what you say with what I say, Here's his promise. He is faithful and just to forgive. Everybody say, he'll forgive me. Our sins and cleanse us. Everybody say, he'll cleanse me. He'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Wow. What a promise. If you're taking notes, I'm going to close with last two thoughts. Confession clears the connection. That's it. You want to get back to where you need to be? If God's gone silent, man, how do you stir the voice of God again? How do you, how do you soften your heart? Confession. One of the greatest things, and there's been a lot of times, man, I've heard the voice of God and God's spoken to me in my devotion time, but some of them just ring out in my life. And one time I'll never forget, God spoke to my heart and he said this. He said, you can take a thousand steps away from me and it only takes one to come back home. Think about that. You can run 100 miles away from God and turn around. It takes one step to come home, one step of confession, one step of repentance, and God will meet you right where you are. What an incredible promise. And so here it is. God forgives what's between us. If, there, if our sin is causing silence, God is the one. We can't fix it. All we can do is confess it. But if we do it, God forgives what's between us. In the hardness in our heart, we can't really change that either. But God will fix what's in us. All we got to do it's coming confession. And so if you're here and you're experiencing silence, I'm giving you the solution that if it's on your side, the way out is confession. And if you're not in a season of silence, live life long enough because one will surely come. So Father, I come in the name of Jesus. I pray for every person in this room. God, I, I know that God, those moments, those seasons that you're quiet, that you seem far away. God, at times, some of those were the cause. And I pray you'll speak to every person that's here live and every person watching online that God may be the reason for the silence is on our side and not yours. I pray God show us the iniquity that we're holding on to. Show us the sin that we've chosen over you. And God help us to confess it and believe you'll forgive and that you'll cleanse. And God, we receive that by faith. With every head bowed and every eye closed, just for one more minute before we get out of here, I want you to know that this exact principle we're talking about is what starts a relationship with God. See, we're all born into this world broken. Really, we are. We're, we're born corrupt. We're born crooked. We can't walk straight in life. And that's why Jesus came. Jesus came to save us and to forgive us. He died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin so that we could have a relationship with our Heavenly Father. And so if you're here and you've never said yes to God's grace, 
That's what he offers. You can't save yourself or fix yourself. But if you'll say yes to a God who loves you, he'll do for you what you could never do for yourself. And so I'm gonna close in prayer. And if you want to include it in this prayer, all over this room, if you say, Pastor Steve, today, man, I want to say yes to God's grace. Man, I want God to forgive my sin. I, I want to start a relationship. You can do it right here today. I'm going to pray. You can, you can repeat my prayer. You can pray your own way, knowing that a God will love you and hear you, and he will answer you by giving you grace. And so as I close, if you want included in this prayer, you can pray it after me. If you're online, you can just whisper these words to God. God, I love you. I've made lots of mistakes. And I know I've sinned. I ask you to save me today. I believe you died on the cross so I could be forgiven. And I receive it today. I ask you to make me your child. And I'm committed to follow you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. And everybody who agrees, said amen. Come on, can we honor God today for his word?